Welcome to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Looking to overcome your fears, create extra income, invest while you work, become a successful investor, and enjoy a better lifestyle? You're in the right place. Turn your investing dreams into your investing reality. You'll learn why investing is important, the importance of knowing when to move on, and everything in between. You're about to get exclusive access to an investor's mindset. Now, here's your host, Vikan Backrad. Hey guys, this is VCam Backrad, your host. Today we have an amazing speaker. His name is Chad Carson, and he is real estate investor, world traveler, father, and he oversees over 90 plus rental properties. Hi, Chad. How are you? I'm doing great, Vikan. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Chad, would you mind telling us how you got started in real estate? Sure. Yeah, it was it was not a intentional long term career, but it's turned into a career. I was uh, I graduated from college and I was actually kind of going the, the medical school route, biology and biology major. And, and so I decided I would just take a break for a little bit and see how it goes learning to be an entrepreneur. And I had a, my father had actually owned rental properties when I was growing up. So I was a little bit familiar with it from there and started reading some books and friend and I college friend and I got into it and started buying and selling houses and eventually started owning rental properties and that was that was 15 years ago so it's uh, I decided to, to keep the break going instead of doing anything else it worked out pretty well makes sense what was it that made you get into real estate uh, I mean there is other things like stocks finance there is businesses what was real estate that got you really hooked on that you really wanted to move forward with real estate yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I, I like a lot of different asset classes, so I'm not like a, a real estate's the only way to go kind of person. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's it's more of a, an approachable way to start a you know as start a business. And I, I look at it as a, as a business. It does have an investment component as well, and you could make it pretty passive. Um, but for me, it was a business that uh, it was simple and understandable. And that's one of like the Warren Buffett uh, quotes. You know, that it's something that. I understood because I lived in apartments and I understood sort of the general nature of what it what it means to be a good neighborhood, what it means to be a good property. And I had to learn some of the numbers and the finances, but the numbers in real estate are pretty straightforward, you know, addition, subtraction, a little bit of algebra. And so it, it was just a nice, simple business that really required required hustle, required uh, pool, you know, finding other people who had capital. But I was young and I didn't have a lot of money, but I was willing to hustle and I was a quick learner. And so it sort of matched my uh, my skill set to be able to, to get started, not but also not having to get started in a big city. I, I lived in a small town, college town in South Carolina, and that's really where I wanted to live just for my own lifestyle. And real estate's in every city. You know, you can wherever you're going to be in the country, in the world, there are properties to buy where people need to rent the property or you can buy and sell. So for that reason, it was a very flexible, simple business that sort of fit my, uh, my lifestyle, my, my temperament. Makes perfect sense. I did want to go ahead and ask you, whenever you got started reading books about real estate, did you by any chance have difficult time with the formulas? Because I had a friend that just recently got into real estate. However, they stated that they're having difficult time since every book that they read, it provides a different formula for real estate. And they go to uh -huh. another book, it goes completely against it. And they're having a difficult time to make a decision on which is the best formula for them to get started with. Yeah, there, there, there's an information problem in the real estate education world. There's, there's just too much of it. <laughs> so there's a lot of, uh, 
So I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that they, they might hear some different things here and there. Um, but when, when I mentioned simple math earlier, I think in some ways it's simple. It's very much like the stock. When you look at stocks, if, if anybody understands you know, what's the numbers there, if you look at a price to earnings ratio, you know, re rental property in particular, the real estate is very similar to that. You, you just, you want to have the, the more earnings compared to what you are buying the property for and investing in the property, the better. I mean, that's, that's just like a very, not very basic concept. And so when you're buying rentals, that's kind of one way to look at it. But then you, the other half of the uh, numbers equation is how low can you buy it below the full value? And with real estate, that's another reason I like real estate investing is it's not a perfectly uh, it's not a perfect market. I mean, there's all sorts of little places where you can buy a property 10%, 20%, 30%, 40% below what you could then later on resell it for. So that, that's another number. Just if, if a property is worth 200 and you can buy it for 150, that, that's good. You know? And so the, 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 the kind of more detailed math comes into uh, the more complicated that you know, you've got to invest money over time or if it's a bigger multi-unit property, if it's a big commercial property, but you stay with small little residential and small commercial properties. It's, it's, you can keep it pretty simple with the math. Makes perfect sense. Okay, so keep it simple. That's the most important part. I, I think I think, the, so. I think it was uh, from Rich Dad or Poor Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. He said, it, "Keep it super simple, or keep sure. it simple, stupid." Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, K, yeah. K I S S. Yeah. There you go. Stupid. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Okay. <laughs> What were some of your challenges that you had in the beginning when you got started in real estate? Well, so part of it was, was capital. And I mean, I saw that because I started out of college and I didn't have any money. And, you know, when you're buying real estate, there are $100,000, $200,000 properties or more. And so I had to figure out that, that piece of the puzzle. And from that first challenge for me was just finding other investors who, who didn't, who, who had who didn't who had the money but they didn't have something that I had which I was out hustling looking for properties and good deals and so like the, those puzzle pieces fit together because um, there's always money looking I've, I've found over the years there's always people with money looking for a good place to put their money right like if you had a hundred thousand bucks and somebody came to you with a no lose investment I mean you're probably gonna invest in it and so that was my kind of first hurdle to get over. And some of that was just psychological because I had never been invested in real estate. I never invested and been in business period. And so I had to convince myself that even as a 23 year old kid, you know, that, that I had a lot of value to offer to these people with a million dollars. And I also had a lot of value to offer to the person who's selling their property. So I think that, that kind of that mental hurdle was, was, was the thing I had to overcome and to get the confidence to, to go out and ask for the money to go out and ask to buy the property. And once I could got that confidence, it, it's, it was a, definitely a lot easier from there. How did you get that confidence over time? Screwing up, failing. Makes sense. <laughs> you know, yeah, so I, you know, I played sports in college, so I was a football player. And part of it was, you know, part of sometimes you just have to go out there and screw up and try and make a mistake and lose the game in order to win the next game. And so for me, it was just, yeah, I definitely read books. I notice you're a big book reader as well. I'm, I, I like to study. I like to, you know, try to model what other people do, and so maybe find out what other people say to people with a lot of money. You know, borrow a script from them, um, but it really just came down to doing it. And so, you, talking to sellers about buying their property below the full value, you just have to talk to. You might have to make 50 offers before you stop stumbling over your words, and it finally works. 
and then the next time you make 40 offers before you get one, and the next time 20 and 30, you know, 10. And so it's, it's just like anything else, like riding a bike, like learning how to do a, a skill in another job. It's investing and particularly kind of sales kind of part of real estate investing where you go out making offers and selling, pitching yourself and pitching your business. It has a lot to do with just that practice and that confidence of, of just doing it over and over and over again. Absolutely. It's really important to get your feet wet so you can start actually understanding it. The other day I was speaking to someone else who they were saying the way they got started was they just kept losing and losing and losing and they said, I just got tired of it. I knew every right. single time how to lose. So I wanted to learn the other side of how to win. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Um, yeah. I did want to go ahead and ask you, I was looking online. There are so many ways that you recommend for someone with a small capital to get started. Would you mind providing us some uh, tips and tricks of how someone with a small capital can get started in real estate? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. That's one of the, my favorite things to talk about because I've been there and done that. You know, I've, I've been in that, I've been that person with very little capital and, and very little but else going on. And, um, you know, there's, there's several ways to do it, but one of my favorites is to, is to think about your housing. Like where are you living? Um, because you know, I don't think everybody in the world is going to get into real estate investing and that's fine. I think it's a great way to make money and to, to grow your, your wealth, but everybody has to live somewhere. And I've noticed when people are growing their wealth, one of the biggest inhibitors of them saving money is how much money they're spending on their housing every month. It's one of the biggest uh, expenses people have consistently every month. And so there's a technique in real estate where you just call uh, uh, people in the real estate world call it house hacking. And so it's not like it's not doing anything illegal or breaking into somebody's computer. What it means is you you buy a property where you live in it and typically you get a loan, so you get an owner-occupant loan and often you can, owner-occupant loans, you can get with 3% down or 5% down in some cases. So you, you can have a relatively small amount of capital, but then you move into this property and, it, and typically it'd be like a duplex, a triplex, a quadruplex, um, but it could also be just a house that has a basement that you could rent out or if you're, you know, if you're in your 20s like I was, you can live in one room and rent out the other two bedrooms to roommates or something. But the, the concept is you are treating your house not just as a house, as a residence. You are treating it as an investment. And if you do it well, and if you buy it well, then you could actually live for free or almost for free or cut your, your housing bill in half. And so that's what I did. I, I moved into a one unit of a fourplex building. And I, my, my total payment, principal interest, taxes, and insurance was about 1080 per month or so, plus or, plus or minus. And I had $1,200 coming in from the, the rent from the other three units. And so I was living positive. You know, I had some money left over to pay for some maintenance and things like that. So basically, instead of me having a $1,000 or $1,200 you know, housing bill like a lot of my friends did who were just buying houses, I was living for free. And I could take that thousand bucks a month and invest it somewhere else instead of having to just throw it away and pay it to the bank okay that makes perfect sense i think that's a great way for someone to get started um they can have either the whole family or themselves live in the back and rent out the front that makes a perfect yeah. way for someone to get started what would be the next up other things that they can also do with a small so, capital starting yeah. So, I mean, the, the other the other things you could do, you kind of have to make a distinction. Are you going to get into the rental business or are you going to get into the actual business of real estate investing? Like I, I was in the business of buying and selling houses. And so, you know, I started with about a thousand bucks in the bank as well. And the, so what I what I did, I kind of alluded to earlier, 
was I got really good at finding and kind of hunting for good real estate deals. And I used a lot of my time and effort and just, you know, just going door to door sometimes and sending out letters to people who might be wanting to sell their properties. And so using what you do have, which is your time and effort and what you, and then leveraging what somebody else has is the money. And so you could go partner. What I did was basically partnered with an, uh, an investor who had more money and he put up the money. Uh, I found the deal and we bought, it ended up being a good deal that was below the full value. And then we fixed it up, turned around and resold it. And I, I didn't put any money. I didn't put my own money into the deal. He put a hundred percent of the capital and I just brought the deal and we split it 50, 50. And so that, you know, that general formula could be, you could do a lot of variations of that formula and it kind of evolved over time for me. But the, the general idea is somebody has got to have the money. Somebody has got to have the, a good deal. And so you need to get good at one or the other. And if you, you can get good at finding deals and put some systems in place, then then you don't have to have a lot of capital to get started. Makes sense. Okay, that's one. I think that's another way. That's the second way. I, I did see also online that you were talking about bird dogging. Would you mind telling us what that is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I come feel like the did you come up with these words by the way, or is this something yeah. like they use in the real estate industry? No, I'm sure. I'm sure I borrowed that from some. I don't think I have anything original, but uh, I, I do know bird dogging though is is a term that for people who don't know it, like if, if you live out in the country somewhere and you go hunting, um, a bird dog is a special kind of dog that goes and sniffs around and it finds a bird in the bush and it points. I mean, it literally like turns it like a stiff like a stick and it's pointing right there at the at the bush and it's pointing and telling you hey there's a bird in the bush you know and, th and then it, it it makes the bird jump up and you shoot it with your gun and now you have some food to take home um, also in real estate you can do the same thing as a bird dog you can be the person who you can be the bird dog you can go out and sniff out and find deals even if you don't have the money to knock that that deal down and so that's how i got started actually before i bought my first deal where I partnered with the other person and split it 50-50, I was actually just a bird dog where I would go hustle around and find deals. I would point to them. You know, I, I didn't have any capital to buy the deal, but I found another investor who did. And when they bought the deal, they paid me a small fee for, for sniffing it out. And, and there's, there's a lot of advantages to that. And one of the big ones is that when you first start, you don't really know that much. You don't, you don't know how to, to do the entire process of buying a deal, fixing it up, selling it. And you might not even know how to evaluate the deal as well as you should. But if you have that person behind you who can say, no, I wouldn't pay a hundred thousand. I'd pay 80,000 for that property. Then, you know, you're, you're not having to, you can kind of borrow that confidence from the other person instead of having to have all that confidence yourself right off, off the bat. And that's really important going back to that confidence point is if you, if you don't have the confidence yourself or the knowledge, you've got to go borrow it from somebody else before, before you, you have it. Absolutely, because someone uh, when someone has their confidence, you can definitely see it. Whereas someone that is rookie that is just getting started, you can kind of really easily tell. So I kind of understand yeah. when you were saying earlier that you got a script and you got to go off of that and do it so many times until you become yeah. fluent at it. Makes perfect sense. Um, I did want to go ahead and talk about. Was there any other challenges whenever you were going when you were getting started? Was like how was it? How was the process of you finding an investor and connecting with them? Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. So it, it was a. I'm, I kind of made it sound like it was a pretty simple process, but you know, 
finding capital for anything, whether you're in real estate or any other business, is I have found it's a matter of like personal trust. Uh, it's, it's, you can't really, uh, it's not mechanical. You know, you, you can't, it's not a formula to how you're going to build trust with somebody. It's just, it's just like any other relationship in your life. You've got to, you got to, it's kind of like a slow dance where you have to start off <laughs> dancing slowly before you, you know, get into anything more, more heated. And so it, it worked like that with me as well. Like I, the, the first person who invested capital with me, uh, was a, was a professor that I met when I was at the university. And when I was in a class, he, he taught a business class that I was just taking for fun because I wanted to learn a little bit more about business. And during class, he was talking, he would tell stories about real estate every once in a while. And that my ears kind of perked up and I said, oh, okay, I'm interested in that. And so you know, I just went after class and started asking questions. And he saw that I was sincere and that I really wanted to learn. And he asked if I wanted to, I think I asked him to go out to lunch or something. And he said, why don't you just meet me tomorrow morning? I'm going to ride around and look at some of my properties. And so I hopped in the car with him the next morning and that was that, you know, it went from, it went from the class to riding around the car with him to asking more questions. And it was probably six months later before we finally did a deal together. But I had that relationship and he saw that I was sincere and he saw that I wanted to learn and he got to where he could trust me and what my intentions were before I went and pitched him for money. And I think that, I think so many people get that backwards, um, that they, they pitch for money just cold. And that, that's really, really difficult to pitch anything cold. Whereas if you can get to know the person, you can offer, offer something of value to them and you can be honest, be sincere. You know, th those things matter a lot. You know, you can, so it's a technology world, but it's still, it's still people talking to people doing business with people. And so that that's never going to change. And so just keep that kind of personal touch in mind when you're thinking about how to get money or do a deal or grow your business. Absolutely. The connection is really important. Building that connection with someone, building that report is 10 times better than outreaching to everybody and asking everybody instead of actually making that connection. So that connection exactly. is really important to get to know a person. It's basically like that uh, saying that they say quality over quantity. So it's right. important having that right connection. Um, yeah. I did want to go ahead and ask you, what is your goal for the future what is your intentions now that you have been doing this for a while what do you what are your plans for the future yeah so it might be a good i'll give you an analogy because i kind of go back and then go back forward to give you the future so when, when i was in 2007 it was about three or four years after i started started my business and we, we grew really 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 fast and basically too fast and we, we had did a lot of deals and, you know, really, really intelligent me, we, we did a lot of deals in 2007, right before the, uh, the downturn in the real estate economy and then the rest of the world economy. And so, so we, we had this like kind of aha moment where we were like, all right, you know, we, we, we thought we had some certain goals, what we want to do in the future, which was just, oh, let's just make a lot of money and let's just do a lot of deals. But it sort of forced us to think about like, all right, what are the specific like personal things that I'm trying to work for? Like, what is this money that I'm trying to earn and these investments, passive income that I'm trying to build? You know, what are those actually going to do for me? And for me at that time, you know, I was um, still in my late 20s or you know, somewhere in my 20s. And for me, it was like playing basketball for two hours in the middle of the day was one of my like top things to do. And traveling, when I met my wife, who's now my wife, you know, traveling ab abroad and kind of taking slow trips was really important to me. And so all those things, you know, they call it, Traveling costs some money, but really the thing for me was more about time, like having a flexibility of time. 
And so that's kind of looking back now, you know, we've continued to, we, instead of us looking like we're trying to get to the top of some mountain, make enough money, and then we're going to live our life. We started, we sort of built this philosophy where, all right, we're climbing a mountain to try to get to financial independence. Here's where we want to be way up there. But instead of like just pushing and pushing and pushing until we get up to the top of the mountain and never resting, we kind of take these plateaus along the way and we take a break here. We take a little mini retirement. We take off for a little while then we keep climbing again and then we take another break. And so like 2009, I took a break. Um, this year, I'm in, I'm in Ecuador with my family for a year and we're taking a break. And at each of those plateaus, we're doing better financially. And I, I'm pretty, I think we're in a pretty good place now at this point. But I still, for the future, you know, I still want to grow some more. We still want to do, you know, improve some of our real estate portfolio. We want to uh, pay. We've kind of slowly and steadily paid off debt and kind of deleveraged so there's less risk in our portfolio. Um, but you know, that's from a financial standpoint and a real estate standpoint. I don't have any. I don't have any plans to like get bigger. Like I, we have plenty of units. I'd rather have fewer units than we do right now. And I think we'll. I think five, ten years from now. We'll have a simpler portfolio. It'll be easier to manage. Um, I'll have, I'll still do some deals here and there, but I'm not going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, but I do have other kind of personal goals and writing goals, and um, you know, I like to help other people kind of get started. So I think those are sort of the the future direction for me is more about teaching, improving my portfolio, still having fun doing deals here and there, but not not being as busy as I was early on. Makes perfect sense. Chad, I did want to go ahead and ask you this. I know it's a little bit random question. It wasn't part of the flow that I was going to ask you. Um, sure. Do you ever think that you're going to stop? I just feel like the people that they enjoy what they do so much, they love it. <laughs> they never really stop. Like even time goes by, you take a vacation and everything, you're still thinking about this. Yeah. Nah, you, you, you got you hit me. I'm, I'm not going to stop. Yeah, it's, it's always going to be it's, – it's a lot of fun. I mean – I, I, I kind of think of it as, for me, one of the, the core goals I have, if, if you look at all the specific goals, finance, business, career, whatever, they all kind of come down to personal growth for me. They're, they're a challenge. They're, they're, if, if I was sitting there drinking like pina coladas or something, uh, you know, I would drive myself crazy. Like I, I, I like the challenge of, hey, what, what can I get better at today? Like you know, I'm not any good at that, and I really need to, I want to get better at that, and that's interesting to me. So you know, real estate deals are interesting to me, uh, but it's more about the people. You know, the numbers are kind of fun, and it's like a puzzle. But there's always a different situation. There's always a different person that it has a situation. You know, this person has some money and they want to invest with me, or this person has a property and they want to sell it. No, no two deals are the same, and that's always interesting. Uh, and then for me, like being talking to you here and having knowing that people are listening to what the what what's going on with real estate maybe are able to apply that in their own life i mean that that to me is very interesting how can i communicate better to those people and help them do it better themselves um th those are new challenges and so yeah i'm i don't know about you but i'm i'm not planning on sitting on my laurels anytime soon yep me too it never stops you're always constantly thinking about it, it makes yeah sense. honestly it all comes down to the process i mean i enjoy mm -hmm. the process a lot more then having yeah. that milestone in the end, obtaining something in the end. But the right. process of obtaining that property or for me it's something else is just so much more important to me than mm -hmm. that milestone. I mean that milestone is great, but the process is important to enjoy as well. 
Um, yeah. I did want to go ahead and ask you, what was the best investment advice you received when you first got started? Oh, yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think in general investment, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I guess it's probably worth mentioning again, is just to keep it, keep it simple and focus on, focus on a, an area of, of expertise that you can understand. Like, I, I feel like when you read books and you study investing, particularly people who are new to investing, it can be intimidating and it can feel like, oh my God, you know, I don't, I, I'll never understand that. Or, you know, Beacon's doing this kind of thing and I just don't think I can do that thing. Or Chad's doing this kind of investment. I can't do that. You know, t find some area of expertise. And this is what somebody told me as well, that you can just, you can focus it down and slice it down so narrow that you can master that one little thing. And in real estate, it might be, all right, I'm going to master this one neighborhood. There's, there's 200 houses in this neighborhood. I'm going to know the values in that neighborhood better than anybody in the world, you know, in that one neighborhood. And by doing that, you can become an expert on this simple little small slice of the bigger picture instead of being overwhelmed with this complicated, huge, crazy, you know, investment philosophy thing. Just, just focus, just find one thing that you're good at, as, particularly as a new investor, and get really, you can always become an expert if you narrow it down really, really thin. And so I think that's what my, my advice would be, is to find, find that slice for yourself. You know, find something you're interested in. I think following your advice you just gave us earlier, like find some process that you just are fascinated with and do that instead of trying to play somebody else's game. Like do something that you could do. You would, if somebody, even if you weren't getting paid to do it, you would do it anyway and, and do that. And that's, if you find something that's in the financial world that's actually going to also make some money, that's a pretty good recipe for putting together a, a plan, good long-term plan. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I did want to go ahead and also ask, was there, when you're looking for the real estate properties, is there any specific sites that you go on that you're trying to find these? Yeah, um, so like my first pass, just like a free tool that everybody can use. I like to use Zillow. Um, you know, they, they have some pretty good data and trends. There, there's always some imperfect data. Like I heard a lot of people in the like kind of real estate snobs would say, oh, well, Zillow doesn't have all the good data that the multiple listing service where the, the realtors kind of have all their data. Uh, that might be the more rich kind of, you know, the, the complete data. But Zillow is really easy. It's user friendly. Zillow.com. You can go on there and study neighborhoods and see like the trends of what, what properties have sold for, what this has some properties that are on the market. And so I'm constantly going on Zillow and just checking things out really quick and, and looking at it. And so I think that'd be a place to start. Uh, there, you'd want to go into more depth um, at some point to get a bigger picture of the entire market. And, you know, I mentioned the MLS is a, if you, if, if you don't have your real estate license, you have to have somebody who has a real estate license to get access to the MLS, but you can hire a realtor or an agent to help you and give you a list of properties and tell you what's on the market and help you study it. Um, but uh, Zillow, if, if you're just kind of just wanting to use a tool every day, I think that's one to, a good one to start with. Okay, that makes perfect sense. I, I think that would I'll definitely go ahead and put that in the show notes uh, with the MLS as well too. But the MLS gives you a full picture of everything that is going on, correct? Yeah, um, most most properties that sell are through realtors, so they can give you the hundred percent. Zip, but it, it's it gives you a lot of good information. So if, if you're, for example, if I'm trying to value a property. I really want to look at the MLS because you're going to be able to see a lot of, you're going to see all the notes that the realtor had on what the property's condition was that have good. You can see all the pictures of the inside of the property. You can see how long it took to sell. You know, but if a property sold for $500,000, you're 
but it took uh, two years to sell for that price. You know, that's not really the price of the property. I mean, that, that it, it took way too long. And so you want to see like the market timing, you know, maybe, maybe they, you know, what kind of concessions did the seller give? Did they give them $10,000 in closing cost concessions? You know, that, that would be, that'd be something you want to know. So you, as, as you, especially when you're studying values, you want to get a bit of bigger picture by looking at the MLS at some point. Makes perfect sense. So basically, MLS just makes everything more clear and it gives you real data that you can look at and understand why it got yes. sold at a price and what it is. Okay, makes perfect it, sense. It's a lot more detailed it, than Zillow. Yes, that's right. Perfect. Okay, and what would be some books that you would recommend for someone that is just getting started in real estate? Well, is, can I give you a website as well? I'll give you a Absolutely. book. I'm trying to think of a couple. But um, one website I use a lot is biggerpockets.com. Okay. Um, I, I actually write on, they have a blog with a lot of authors and I'm one of the authors on there, but they also have, it's, it's like the mega community for real estate investors online where you have, you can ask questions on the forums and you have tons of people who will give you, give you free advice and, uh, they have lots of free webinars and, um, it's just, it's kind of the community where people go to learn for free on the online about real estate investing and get kind of non, non salesy, just real life kind of information about real estate investing. Okay. So I'll definitely put, is great. Perfect. I'll go ahead and uh, put in the show notes your link. I did go ahead and actually see that you had an author page in there as well too. So I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Uh, what about for books? Yeah. So within real estate investing, there's there's one book that I think is a really good starter book called uh, Building Wealth One House at a Time by John Schaub. And he's a he's an investor in Sarasota, Florida, who's been doing it for about 40 years, I believe, as a, as a full-time investor. And he just is it's very kind of to my point of being simple and keeping things simple. He's kind of like the Warren Buffett of the real estate investing world. He just he has nice his 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 idea and philosophy is just to only buy as many properties as you need to accomplish whatever goals you're trying to accomplish, but not any bigger. And he gives sort of like the step by step: how do you what's the first house look like? What do the numbers look like? What do you? How do you go from there? How do you negotiate it? So, I think for somebody just as a first book, it's a really good place to start. Okay, perfect. And I did want to go ahead and ask. Um, I wanted to put this situation out there and see what you would think about this. Now, imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is one thousand dollars to get started with. How would you start your investing journey in the next six months? Yeah, I love that question. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so I, the first thing I would do, uh, I mentioned it earlier that in, in real estate, I would go into real estate investing because that's where my knowledge is. And I would do exactly like I did when I first started. I would find, I would start talking to people who have money and who are looking for real estate deals. And I would probably meet them at the, there's local real estate investing clubs real estate investors associations and you can find those just searching online in your city and I would go start networking at those every every month or every week whenever they have meetings and talking to people and I would tell them that I'm out hustling looking for deals and I'm, I'm finding good deals and would you know are you looking for deals and so I would either I would either bird dog for them or I would partner with them and they would put up the money I would find the deal and we both make money together and we share the pie and and I would, and I could, I think I could, within six months, I'm pretty sure I would be able to buy and sell some properties to make some cash. Also buy some rental properties with those investors, and be pretty, be on, on my way, doing pretty well, just by just by having that that connections and the, that knowledge. Makes perfect sense. 
you would still read a lot of books to get you started, huh? Oh yeah, that, I mean, so so if I had a thousand bucks, and if the question is like, how do I allocate that one thousand um, dollars? The the thousand dollars would go to marketing and education. Those are those are my two highest return on investment. That investments always is that I'm, I'm a big big reader, big studier. Um, but then also, you know, marketing in any business is if you don't have the phone ringing with opportunities, you know, you've got nothing. So, you know, I, I would probably spend that on some letters, you know, s- sending some letters out to people. Um, I would spend it on uh, just some, maybe having a little bit of software to be able to analyze some properties and look at some data, uh, some property data, and, uh, tax records and things like that. But for, most, for the most part, it, marketing and education is all you need to spend early on. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. I love how you added the allocating in there. I'll definitely edit my own question and add that in there. Thank you for mentioning <laughs> that. That's a yeah. great way of actually putting it. Okay. Sure. Well, Chad, thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. I did want to go ahead and ask, how can the listeners reach out to you? Sure. So my, my home online is coachcarson.com, and that's that's where I write. I write about real estate investing. I have a blog there. And real estate investing, I write about kind of big picture personal finance and early retirement and just a little bit of life philosophy kicked in there too, um, just to, to add some spice to it. So that's a uh, love for people to visit me and uh, be happy to connect with them there. Absolutely. I did want to go ahead and ask, do you have by any chance like a course or any membership that you teach? Uh, well, when you sign up for my newsletter, that's probably the, the main thing I have at the moment. Um, I am going to be teaching some classes later in the year, but uh, when you sign up for my newsletter on my website at coachcarson.com, I have a free kind of getting started video course for real estate investing and also have some tools. I call it my real estate toolbox so you can get the, the checklist I use whenever I evaluate properties, all the formulas I use, and uh, also a closing checklist like when you actually get a property under contract. You know, what are all the things you need to do as an investor before closing? Um, so I include that things like that in my toolkit that people could go get that for free at my site just by, by signing up for the email, uh, email newsletter. Perfect. I'll definitely go ahead and put that in the show notes. Chad, thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. I know you thank took you, time out of your time to be here. So thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Great. Thanks for having me. You have reached the end of this episode for Investing for Beginners podcast. There are more episodes coming with real investing insights and super actionable techniques with no hype. Stay updated with each new release by subscribing to the podcast. We would love it if you would leave a rating and review. Say hello on Facebook and Twitter at AskVCan. All show notes will be available. We will catch you next time. And remember, you don't need to be a genius to invest like one.